This is the It's Time to Refresh podcast with Brad Refresh, the podcast about life, music, traveling, shit, literal shit that is, and weird and wacky stories with Brad and a range of guests from the planet Earth. Feel free to share the pod with your pals, your mom, your neighbor's dog, or even your shrink. It's all fun. You can follow our Facebook group called It's Time to Refresh Community or It's Time to Refresh on Instagram. Write into the pod, ask questions, and share your stories. Enjoy the pod! Hey kid, what time is that? It's time to refresh! All right, uh, back once again with another podcast. Uh, this is actually take two because uh, the camera failed on me, so a little bit embarrassing, but it is what it is, I'm afraid. Uh, on this episode, we've got Kenny Hayes, uh, a.k.a. Uh, KB Project, a.k.a. Starman, a.k.a. Blue Sphere, a.k.a. Every, every alias you could imagine. Um, so he's a producer, um now DJ for the last what seven seven years you've been sort of back in the scene is it yeah as far as bounce is concerned I've been DJing since the early nineties right right uh, sorry about that that, that, that wasn't a <laughs> thing at all but um but it's on you've only sort of came out of the studio in that, that time yes, isn't yeah, it yeah, right? yeah yeah um and so many different accolades and and everything you've done over time within trance house chill out bounce EDM. Yeah. Bit of everything. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it goes on and on. <laughs> I could, we could just talk about this all day in itself, but um, yeah, how are we doing, mate? You all right? I'm good, keeping busy. Right, but... I'm going to pretend I didn't ask you um, about um, last night. So, <laughs> how was uh, how was uh, Pier on the Pier? Was it good? Oh, amazing, amazing. The atmosphere at Pier is probably one of the best ones of the year from all the events that go on. Absolutely. And um, it's, the, it's like we've never been away. The crowd absolutely were on point the whole time we were there it was great great atmosphere uh, what time were you on? Uh, we went on at 10 to 10 we were doing a KB project showcase right. so it was basically um, a collection of our more well known remixes and productions interlaced with uh, Nikki singing two tracks live right you go down well amazingly well amazingly Amazing. well yeah um, honestly uh, Peer on the Peer it looked really good shame I couldn't go but it is it is what it is um to some people um, within the scene, it is like Christmas Day. Like I've seen the build-up this week when it got to like Thursday, saying, "Oh my God!" Like one more sleep to go. So yeah, it is yeah. quite, it is quite a big thing. Definitely. Um, I just want to get into this by briefly asking you your history, and then we'll, we'll because there's so much I want to talk about, and I know you've covered it on other podcasts. So give us a, a brief history on Kenny Hayes. <sighs> Brief history. Yeah. Well, uh, in the uh, early nineties, I uh, after I left school, I, I um, ended up in a music shop and, and in the high tech department. So I was learning all keyboards, drum machines, sequences, the basis of what I wanted to get into. Right. Because I've always wanted to be a remixer since leaving school. So uh, that set things off. I joined a couple of bands. By the mid nineties, uh, actually the slightly early nineties, uh, I got asked to join Two Funky Two. Right. We did Brothers and Sisters, and I was with them for a couple of years, and then um, then I went through a, a patch where I was on the dole for about a year, and then ended up getting a job again, and then Pawn Kings asked me to be part of their band, then I got together with a writer from Manchester for the Cleopatra right. project, so I did that, and uh, so in 1997, I had 
uh, a number three hit with Amor with Pawn Kings and a number uh, sorry seventeen with the Pawn Kings and number three with Cleopatra. So that, that's, that's the a little 90s. bit of nostalgia for me, that Cleopatra. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, it, it's about, it, I was a, I was a writer, not a producer then. Oh yeah. So uh, we wrote seven songs on their album, the first right. album, and on the second album, which did nothing, um, we co-wrote and produced one track on it. But most of the tracks were produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, right. like big American producers. So that, that was good. And then I joined All Around the World in 1998 and and worked for them for 19 years. And yeah, we we did a track together in All Around the World. We did, we did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the studio originally was um, over the top of a music shop. Right. And then it moved to near the university, and right. I had a bigger room and more yeah. space. But it was, yeah, it was in Blackburn, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah. I remember going to it. I just can't remember what was going on. Oh, it was amazing. The atmosphere then was fantastic. We had like people coming in every day, Ultra B, uh, and um, all the other, but Hypersonic, Entrance, Flip and Fill. They were in all time. So when when you went to work there, who was who was the who was in the studios at the time. Um, well, there's two studios. Well, when we first started, there was three studios. There was um, Pete Gill from Love Decade, right. uh, me in the next studio to him, and in the main studio, Lee Monteverdi, who's part of LMC. Right, yes. Uh, who has had a, an amazing career himself as an engineer over the years. Yeah. Um, and uh, then Pete left after a year, and it was just the two of us. And right. when we moved to the new building, they built two purpose-built studios for that. Right, so then uh, the, your journey of all around the world when it was happening, it was just like they'd come in and say, right, we've signed this record, can he do a remix or do whatever? It might even produce the track. It was basically, basically that. Initially, Lee was a producer and a remixer, so he was making records and remixing them, where I was primarily just a remixer. Right. So every single project that came through the studio, uh, whether it be, you know, a, a new house signing or a pop signing did give me a chance to do a remix and most of the remixes I did I tried to make them not sound like the original yeah um, I've, well we've heard enough of your remixes to know that that's, that, that is the case mm. um, I just want to ask you um, obviously in all your time and all around the world they had a bit of a reputation for, for ripping off tunes like that's what <laughs> they, they did they did uh, what was it Sweet Child of Mine stuff like that mm. right um I just want to ask you, what was the the best tune yeah you, you, that you you remixed and the worst tune? Um, Through my time at all around the world, uh, we'll say best and worst. We'll say least favorite. And then right? Yeah, most yeah, yeah. I, sound as bad. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, best is hard because I remixed so many tunes. Just yeah. as KB Project with Ben, we we remixed over two hundred and fifty records. You remixed everything, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so I also did Sunshine Funk remixes. I did Fugitive remixes. Yeah. I, I did Sunwalkers remixes. I, I got together with Lee S and we did Wave Shapers and uh, Melody Masters and then loads. So I, I, much. I, I, I've, the thing was at a time when I was so busy when a remix came in because we did get a lot of external remixes. Right. Uh, so record companies, when they saw how well All Around the World were doing, they would just come to All Around the World and say, can you get one of your guys to do a remix for us? Yeah. So we'd have like the likes of Chico and uh, Danny Minogue. And the Chico one's definitely the, lower down on yeah, the list. <laughs> cheeky Girls. Yeah, Cheeky Girls. Oh, yeah, and, um, I, 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 I've even remixed Shirley Bassey. You know, yeah, I've, I've done great. a bit of everything. I you like know, it. So. So, so what? So, if you had to pick one, it doesn't even need to be because it was the biggest track as such. But if you got a tune that, for instance, that you that you got it and you're like, oh, actually, I quite, oh, 
that, that was good. That I that think was, that I think that, that you really have to split them into the genres that I've done remixes in because it's hard mm-hmm. to pick one as a whole. So, for example, in Bounce, I'd say the best remix that Ben and I have ever done, in my own opinion, is "See the Light" by Paradise. Yeah, so, probably the biggest as well. Yeah, I mean, every time we play that record, it yeah. absolutely takes the roof off. Yeah, um, uh, I said this on the last podcast. I'll, I'll couple of podcasts ago with um with rob it's one of them tunes and I'm, I, I, you know i'm honest like i think um i said it to rob about static bounce as well it is the most overplayed tune <laughs> ever Did, and it's like more for, overplayed than brothers and sisters <laughs> in bounce yeah, yeah. absolutely no it, it is literally the brothers and sisters tune of, uh, of bounce, isn't it? that's what it is no but but my, my thing is um does it not does it not annoy you that the fact of like you could come on to do i don't know if you're doing a kenny Hayes set a starman set kb set or whatever you come on and like the dj before you plays see like because it's statistically gonna happen yeah uh, well fortunately that's never happened on that track but it's it's happened when i've played brothers and sisters so i did right. a starman rework of brothers and sisters and uh because the dj who's been on before doesn't know i was in the band originally yeah it's a bit yeah or the fact that i have a version which is a set starter yeah <laughs> but uh it, it's very rare that that happens i mean you do get people playing tracks in their sets that you're thinking, oh, I was going to play that, you know. Yeah. But um, no one has, you know, exclusivity on any one track. When I play Reminisce every year, they kind of say, obviously, Ultra Beat are on, so don't play any Ultra Beat. Yeah. Or Entrance are on, don't play any Entrance. Yeah. So it kind of cuts down what you're going to play. But um, there's always loads of all around the world Clubland bangers to play. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's hundreds upon hundreds of... Uh, all, all around the world stuff that you could do that you've remixed yourself yeah. um, a thousand times <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is uh, honestly it just on the way down I was listening to um, the sort of back catalogue on, on of the KB tracks and I realised that you must have really remixed um, Think About The Way um, yeah. so many times because yeah. I've heard like a modern version you've done I've heard the old yeah. KB version yeah. that you've done so. I, think, I think what it is is um, People have so much love for KB because they've been a st- you know a staple thing within the bounce scene, like Alex K, you yeah. know, for so long um, that those tracks are memories to them. Yeah. So some of my clients want to remix those tracks because yeah. they want to. That's why they've come to you initially, though, isn't it? Yeah, like, exactly. Like your clients have come to you and said, "Listen, I love what you do, and I love what you've done in the past. Let's make." A tune. Yeah, I mean, some people say, "Oh, can we make a new version of this particular track?" And I go, "Yeah, no problem." But then, if, if they said, "Can we do a new version of See the Light?" I'd say, "No," <laughs> because as far as I'm concerned, the KB version is the definitive version of that track, and right, I don't yeah. think it could be bettered. Right. And uh, uh, so, as that happens with a couple of tracks, obviously others sneak through the, the net, like. But uh, absolutely, yeah. So you're working uh, all around the world. Um, and then what happened after after that? What, what year did you finish there? Well, um, so Universal took over all around the world. Uh, well, they, they bought into all around the world towards the back end of the noughties. And then when the teens kicked in, um, they had more of an active involvement with the record label. So right. uh, by the time 2017 came, it was time to uh, Universal to take over. So the first thing they did was shut down the studios. So, um, so it was like a handover period when they sold it. Is that what it was? Sort of, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. 
I thought that actively kept it open for for that. that well, reason. all around the world, as a label, kind of was still going because obviously they had a number of tracks that they still. Well, the whole catalogue was still going at the time. So it's just yeah. like Universal took over operations. Right. Right. Okay. No problem. So in two thousand seventeen, well, we've actually skipped back. When you came back to the bounce scene in two thousand fourteen, is that fourteen? Right? Yeah. Uh, so was... so basically, at the time, um, it had been it only been a year or so since. Ben and I had stopped doing some stuff. Yeah. Uh, we started making some stuff here. Uh, we did colours. Right. Um, but in 2014, uh, Clubland TV wanted to do uh, a series of mixes and they came to me and Ben to do a bounce one. Right. And at the time, Ben had just got a new job and he couldn't do it. So I said I could do it and they ended up doing it as me from the KB project. Yeah. And, and in the build-up to that, I had to find lots of... Uh, material because I wasn't that familiar with the bounce scene outside yeah. of what me and Ben did. Oh no! Well, you were definitely. This is what I wanted to get into, like uh, later on as well. You were definitely in. Um, you were in this little area where you were remixing tunes, but you weren't. You weren't involved with the scene as such. Like, no. So when you when you turned to do K, KB project sets, it tend to be it, like you turn up to your set and you wouldn't know sort of everyone there. But no. it, since two thousand and fourteen, yeah. you have got involved. You've, yes. You yeah. have got more, you know, sort of well, everyone now. When I was doing a gig with Ben uh, at the pier, because I only played the pier less than 10 times. Right. Um, and we did KB project sets. Before that, obviously, most people only knew Ben as being part of the KB because he used to play yeah. the tunes all the time. That's how they became anthems. Right. Um, then I started doing a bit of DJing with him and basically playing what he said we should play, you know. And it was only after the Clubland TV Live thing that I thought, wow, you know, there's so much great bounce stuff out there that I didn't know about and that I really love. So right. I wanted to get back into it again at that point, but more so on a level where I was more involved. Yeah. So I set up Rebound UK at that point and um, I did a lot of releases for Revolution Records yeah. and... Um, is it relay and uh, yeah. a couple of others? You know. Yeah, you did. You did a few bits for me when you when you first came. Right, I remember you messaging right, yeah. and saying yeah. that. Uh, I, I think you explained the situation. What happened was that you sort of doing this and then you for doing remixes and stuff. So I was like, absolutely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's just one of them, isn't it? But um, yeah, so then you, you came back and then you had a, a, a period of um, where you would do sort of collaborations with people, yes. um, yeah. just sort of. I think it was to re-establish yourself. Or yeah, I mean, I felt I felt that because I was so unattached from the scene, uh, in a way to make my presence more known. Because yeah. don't forget, no one really knew who Starman was. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, I only thought it started in like 2014, the Starman. No, thing. it started in 2009. Right. I, I did uh, a, a remix in 2009 and a couple more over 10 and 11. Uh, for all around the world, right. um, but it was just a. The reason I called it Starman because it was already called Club Star. See, I knew the club, the Club Star alias, yeah. and that, that's that's where I thought it was, and it evolved into that. that yes, thing, it anyway. did. Yes. Okay, that makes so, sense. So, so uh, obviously, I I wanted to establish that a bit more. So, I wanted to work with people who were known within the scene. Cheese, yeah. uh, Das Poom Styles, yeah. you know, a few other Rob Kane. You know, um, a few others, and because um, it benefits benefits both sides. If you don't mind yeah. me saying, like you're there, and like getting off the back of a cheese or a Rob Kane or a Poom Styles, like you say, it's like, oh right, it was this star man, and we sort of should be paying attention to him. At the same time, they're getting in the studio with 
can he hears from all around the world. Yes, like he, yeah, so, yeah. so it's beneficial on both parties yeah. for it for it to happen. Um, and then I remember in sort of 2014, you came back. And then there was just like an influx of, of Kenny Hayes tracks, just all of a sudden your was, remixes yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Just, I did a lot of um, uh, Starman tracks and remixes yeah. in a very short space of time in an effort to get content out there. Right. Um, obviously not a lot of money was coming back at the time because tracks didn't make a lot of money back then. Yeah. Um, but that didn't really bother me because um, I was establishing Rebound UK as a label at the time. Yep and uh, doing a few bits and pieces through that and then everything started to evolve a bit more then and then obviously the studio became more important than actually yeah. me releasing some stuff um i think you build a reputable name within such a short, short space of time mm. i don't think a lot of people uh, like appreciate um how much of, of an impact you made when you came back because a lot like not not no offense to you a lot of people remember KB project as oh that's Kenny from KB project. Yes, yeah. But now I think you've re it's a, a total reinvention of, of yourself yeah, and what yeah. it's about. Um, I, th I think I think what it is is obviously if I didn't love it I wouldn't do it. Yeah. So and um, I get such a buzz when I'm DJing because I, I I call myself a producer DJ as opposed to a DJ producer. Yeah. Um, because production is my m main priority, but I do love to DJ even though I don't get that many gigs now. At one stage I got quite a lot probably because of the content I was releasing. Yeah. Um, but things have quietened down a bit. But then I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, no, well, to be honest with you, mate, there's there's a lot of people out there who sit and prefer to to write tracks and not go out the other thing. That's true. Yeah. Me being one of them. But <laughs> like, I, if 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 it was down to me and I knew that I could have clients who would go out and hammer my tracks in the clubs, then fair enough. I'd probably knock it on the head. I'm I'm a DJ at heart. Like that's what I started out as. But but for me, it's about production. And if any other tunes are getting played, then What's yeah. the point of me being there? Well, you know well, I mean? no, you, no, there's no bigger buzz than seeing one of your tunes played and a dance floor reacting to it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's such a buzz. But at the same time, um, I don't know about this, about you, but like I've been in a club and someone's played my track and I've been sort of not on the in the DJ booth, I've sort of just in been the to crowd, the side. Yeah, and yeah. you can in the in the moments like, and you can hear people like, yeah. Judo! Yeah, like yeah. you know, like that, like that type of thing where it's but, like Right, okay, this is this is what it's about. Yeah. That's the boost you chase. I mean, when I, I got to a point where Starman wasn't enough, yeah. so I had to invent Dr. B yeah. for the more hard house stuff and Left Eye yeah. for the for more the hard, of the hard bass yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did a track with Phil Mack. Um, uh, oh, I can't remember the title of it now. Um, but um, Gravity. Gravity, that's yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. And I was playing Pure in Wigan and I, play, I dropped that track and everyone was singing it. Right. I thought that's incredible because it's not a well-known song. Uh, yeah. But it it captured so many people's imaginations on that one. They loved it. So I, I even got Nicky to re-sing it, but we never actually re-released re it. So. Right. Uh, that's interesting, that isn't it? Yeah. Like when you think about it. Um, since you came back, you'll have played a number of clubs, different places, as Kenny Hayes, as KB Project, yeah. or whatnot. Since you came back, how how have you found the difference? So prior to this, you say you played like. We can appear a handful of times. Mm. How's the scene different then to now? Well, not much really from a dance floor perspective, right? Uh, or a DJ reaction, because 
everyone loved the pier, didn't they? And you know, and it was always chocker, and everyone always loved the music, and that's what BTID and uh, and uh, the uh, events capture exactly what that was about. Yeah. So, and I'm quite lucky enough to be able to be on a few of them as part of the KB project with Ben, and it's still the same buzz. If anything, it's a bit more because they have bigger crowds now. Yeah. So when they do Zombie Nation and they have over 2,000 people there, the reaction is just amazing. Uh, it's, it's now, it's a show, isn't it? It's like yeah. before, you, Wigan Piers as a nightclub, it's you're, you're enclosed. Now, if you see a Zombie Nation or something like that, they've got a big light rig, oh, they've got a big sound system. Zombies. Yeah, 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 so it's yeah. a show, you, you're <laughs> yeah. there for a show, it's a completely different yeah. thing. Um, I mean, Reminisce is also an amazing event that yeah. I do every year. and um, That's got so big oh, so quickly it's just incredible that i mean i i go on fairly early and yeah. and to be honest the tent's full with right. people queuing up outside that's that's, that's how much people love bounce music <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was going to ask you during during your first i would call it your first wave of as kb project like prior to 2014 what other clubs were you playing um i know you don't obviously peer and stuff like well but where else did you venture to well, uh, I I didn't start doing pure until round about then and onwards. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a get a sort of guest slot as as KB project. Oh, um, um, well, we've done a few places. Um, I mean, to be fair, I, I, aside from the KB project, I did um, a couple of clubland gigs for uh, Cy Paul, who's lost witness. Yeah. Because at the time he was promoting a couple of clubs, one in Inverness, yeah. and one at the, at the southern end of the country. So. I've been all over really. I played Birmingham um, at the same time Andy Whitby was on. Yeah. And um, up your neck of the woods, I played there a few times. And yeah. uh, it, it's it's all over really. I mean, even Ibiza, when BTID went over there and done a couple of gigs there. If I'm not mistaken, I can remember. I could, I could be misremembering. Did you do. Um the club 111 in blackpool years ago um probably yeah was it a zone yes right yes yeah. right so right. i used to play for zone because at the time half of zone made up maximum spell yeah and i was producing their tracks for them right right so right. they got me a, a couple of gigs at the time debbie d yeah andy you know so you, you do uh, overall really you do you knew everyone but when you come in there was obviously in 2014 there's a whole new generation of yeah promoters so yeah. before and before you left there wasn't the likes of um Cheese with Sopranos or Kenny with Acceleration or obviously a new BTID yeah. but then a lot of the smaller gigs as well so you've had to like re reinvent yourself or something. Yeah I mean I remember the first time I, I met Rob Kane it was um, it was at a BT, it was a Zombie Nation gig and there was three rooms and uh, it wasn't a Zombie Nation gig it was at Bowlers where yeah, Zombie yeah, Nation yeah. is but I can't remember the name of the gig now but we were in like room three which is like really small Oh that was about about seven um it might have been. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I can remember. I, I was remember I, I, getting, I, I, that night. getting um, a tap on the shoulder saying, yeah. Hi, Kenny, I'm Rob Kane. And that's the first time we'd met, like, yeah. uh, even though I knew of him and he knew of For me. For years and years. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it, it, it's. I, I was so used to being behind the scenes that I never really got to see or meet people. So when that happened, it was great for me because I got to put faces to names. Right. Um, and I just want to ask did, Are you glad you've done it? Like um, now, are you glad that you came from behind the scenes? Because you could, you could have stayed, but you could, you could have continued yeah, doing it. Yeah, yeah. But now, if you if you go into a club, for instance, anybody who's anyone in the scene will see you and be like, all right, Kenny. Whereas yeah. before, I didn't know what you look like. Yes, you know? yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. I mean, yeah. it's great now because I see a lot of the same faces at all yeah. the events, 
and we sit and have a chat for five ten minutes you know and I catch up it's great you're screaming down each other's ear like because you yeah. can't hear you can't have a problem this, this is what this podcast is about I get to have a conversation with you I've bumped into you at clubs before and it's just been like Alright mate, how's it going? I've been up too much, and that's that, isn't it? It's just you just fucking that. that, that sorry, I mean, so <laughs> like you just um, that's just what it is, isn't it? You just yeah. you get that five minutes in. It's the same with everyone in the scene, yes, um, yeah, yeah. and even if you see you see them outside briefly, and it's just yeah. there's not you can't in, in, indulge into a conversation like we no. have. I mean, I mean, t- 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 there's always going to be um, with people who make the music a kind of. Uh, friendly rivalry because everyone's trying to make the best they can yeah, out of what they do. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as the punters go, who have come yeah. to the gigs just to enjoy the music, um, it's just nice connecting with people and and you know it. You follow them on Facebook, yeah. you know, and you kind of interact sometimes with them, but you can't beat doing it on a gig, you know. Yeah, yeah. I've always found as well, like, um, not not obviously not so much with you. But when I've I've come across people online, um, obviously I'm from up in Cumbria, so so I don't get to the events as much as I should. But I've always found that you can see people online um, and they've got this persona and whatnot, and you meet them in person, and you know something, they're completely <laughs> different, and it's just like it's a bit mind blowing. Like, yeah. like at first, I that's how I I found it. I found it, it was just like, oh well, okay, right. I, this is this has caught me off guard. There's, there's been a couple of people who has, has messaged me in the past, and we've had a conversation back and forth and stuff. And maybe just because I'm, I'm I'm more of a like I say we couldn't have done this over Zoom. I'm not no. a, a person who talks to somebody online. Yeah. And it, it, anyone who talks to me on Messenger, I'm quite short. Yes. And I don't want to come across as short. No. But no. it's one of them things where it's like um, you can only express so much emotion within a conversation. That's true. So so like so when you meet them in person. And they're much more friendly than you first thought. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah. it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a. Shock. At the end of the day, we're all people, aren't we? You yeah. know what I mean. I think I, 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 one thing I would definitely say I don't have is an ego. Yeah. You know, it's a case of I'll I'll speak to anybody. You know. Absolutely, um, and it's it's very noticeable as well. Mm. About like my just here. Um, so so you've so you've we've come up from like sort of twenty seventeen. You've got the gigs are coming back, and you, you establish yourself as yeah. Kenny Hayes and stuff like that. Um, where where sort of pre-pandemic you were you, were you happy with with what you'd established and well uh, there, obviously when i uh did ended working with all around the world um it was a bit of a reality check then because then i had to find a job right which wasn't to do with music i had to find a way of bringing money in unfortunately for me does poom stars worked for a company um a civil engineering company and got yeah. me a job there Sound lad, isn't he? No, brilliant, brilliant. So I I worked there for um, only a couple of years. So basically the pandemic kind of kicked in, didn't it, at the beginning of 2020. Yeah. Um, Now, by that time, I'd already started doing sessions with people. I started doing sessions with people as far back as 2018. So were you doing it in your spare time as such? Yes, like You had a full-time job and then this was But then I was doing sessions in between. So I started off with, obviously, Matt Wigman, um, RG, with Pitch Invader, and Matt C, Initiate. They were the first three that I was doing regular work with. Uh, Did they reach reach out to you and say that they had this this idea and they wanted to do it? Yeah, they wanted to make some tunes, you know, and um, to be fair... but. uh, the ideas came thick and fast really quickly you know right. and then obviously 
that caught on in the imaginations of other people and other people decided that they wanted to do the same thing. Right. So You'd have a massive client list. All right, like, I, do, I do now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but like, it, it's, it, it's impressive, man. Like, yeah. like you... Yeah, it's impressive. I've got no words for it because it's like you. It's like I said to you earlier on. It, you produce probably fifty plus percent of the big bounce tunes in the bounce yeah. scene, and like, it's ridiculous. It's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. No, it's, it's it's a good achievement. I'm, by I, the way. Well, I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from the other producers who are out there making tunes because they're making some big bangers as well. You yeah, know, yeah, and and the, 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 the good thing about our scene is is the fact that the public who love bounce music. They can never have enough of it, you yeah, know. Understandable. So, so the more tunes everyone's making, the better, really. And to be fair, my my clients, they don't just sit there and expect me to get on with it. They all have a, a great ideas about what they want to do, and but they bring a lot to the table. Um, I just want to tell a little story, if that's all right. Yeah. Uh, um, just a little why why you said that, to be honest. Um, in about two thousand and eighteen, I started doing some some tunes for some people. Um, I wasn't making a great deal of money off it, but it was more, as you say, getting to interact with people and and, and whatnot. And I, I had one person in. Um, I don't know if, if you want to tell some stories on this as well, um, <laughs> because I'm sure you'll have, you're bound to have some. But it was a, a DJ um, who was no longer in the scene because I think he was just a fly-by-night sort of right. sort of name where he thinks, oh, I guess I want to produce my tunes and then I'll be big and, and then that's it. Yeah. So I had this guy, and he, he tra to be fair, he travelled he travelled up from where he was from it was a fair distance and um, we got in and he said to me uh, I said what, what, what do you want to do and at the time I was in my little box room and um, I had the, the setup um, speakers everything there I had a little table there with like my drinks and stuff on and then and then behind me I had a little sofa and he's sitting on the sofa and he's like um, just make something like like you do and I was like and I was like right okay so so what, what do you want to do then and he was like, "I'm I'm not gonna lie to you, mate. I've I've, I've paid you, um, and and also um, I was DJing last night, so I'm a bit a bit rough and I've, <laughs> I've, been, and I've been on it. So do you just want to work away, make it sound like your tunes? Um, but I want to use this vocal. I was like, right, okay. So then we asked, I was like, how does this sound? I turned round and he was lying down asleep <laughs> on, the, on, on the sofa, right, and and like." This is what kind of put me off doing studio yeah, sessions with people. Yeah. So I just started, I was like, right, I'm not going to wake him up. I'll just carry on with the tune and just go in there. If he <laughs> wanted to sound like me, he may as well just be one of my tunes. So I did it, completed it and stuff like that. And it got to sort of like five o'clock in the evening. I thought, I'm getting hungry now. I'm going to have to just sort of finish this off. Uh, so I woke him up and then I said, oh, how does this sound? And he was like, exactly what I wanted. Thank you very much. <laughs> and he left. It wasn't, it was just so, it was so short with everything. Yeah. And I was just like... Right. Okay. So that that's that. Um, I got. I don't master my own stuff. So what I done was I mi uh, mixed it the next day with fresh ears. Um, sent it off for mastering. He messaged me asking for the tune. So when I got it back, I sent him it. And then I don't think we've talked since. To be fair. Yeah. Right. So it's just one of them. Which I, I don't mind. Yes. So I'm not losing any sleep over it. Yeah. But I'm just like, he just came and he drove <laughs> x amount of miles. It was over a hundred miles, by the way. Um, uh, he drove a hundred miles here. Slept on my sofa all day. <laughs> I've had free reign on this tune, and then he's left. I'm like, do I want to carry on doing this? Or maybe I just had a bad experience. Because yes, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I had two other people in, and they were they were fantastic. Yeah. They knew what they wanted, and 
as I can imagine with yourself, like when people come in, they have an idea of what they want, and if they don't want, it's like, say, all right, um, you can hear something, like, oh, what do you think of this? And they'll say, no, no, I wasn't thinking that. Mm. Let's do it like this, yeah. and they do it, and it's like, fair enough, it's your idea, you yeah. do what you want. Yeah. But this, this was a full beginning, so like, it didn't even pick a kick drum. This was this was <laughs> beginning to end. I'd just done it, and it was yeah. like, right, okay. That's I it. mean, the thing is, a lot, uh, a, a lot of DJs, they really do want to make a tune but they don't have the first idea of how to do it. Yes, which uh, is understandable. Yeah. Like, do you so, know what I mean? so you've got one section of DJs who want to actually make their own tunes, yeah. but they're still learning how to do it. Yeah. So their knowledge of how they produce tracks isn't great, so they need some, some assistance in yeah. finding out how to move that along quicker. On the other side, you've got DJs who have no musical ability whatsoever, but in their mind, they want to do this tune um, some some DJs, um, I don't mind name dropping them either. I'll mm. say people like Joe Taylor. Joe Taylor's a prime example of yeah. right. He, I think he's a good reader of the dance floor. Yes. I've seen him do it, and he, he knows what a crowd want. So when you've got a mind like that who wants to make a tune, yeah. why not get them in the studio? Imagine yeah. the tune that could fill a dance floor. Yeah. I'm just using Joe as an example. Yeah, but yeah. There is well, I've, I've done a few with Joe, and yeah. um, and and every one of them's been yeah. banging. So right? I'm not I'm not going to say he hasn't got the musical knowledge because right. I don't know if he has or not. No. But he's not a producer. But because he's he's playing out regularly yeah. and he gets to see what's what goes off on the dance floor. Yes. To be fair, yeah. when when Joe Taylor plays. He's always got a full dance floor. It's yes, not as if he Because he, yeah. he, 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 he's adaptable to a crowd. So yeah. when he comes in with an idea, you know what he wants. And yeah. you're 90% sure it's probably going to work as well. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, uh, it, what's important to me more than anything is that when that cl when, the, when the track is finished and the client's walking out that door, is that he's happy with yeah. what's happened. Now, in some cases, very rare cases, some people kind of, like... A rabbit in the headlights over it because it's a new experience and it's the first time it's ever happened they're so in awe of how quickly it's put together yeah. that they've not really took on board what the whole want, process so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they might say a day or two later actually you see that bit that we put in there can you take that out or yeah. see that bit there can you put something in there you know yeah, yeah. and obviously if I have the time to do it and it doesn't take a lot of time to do I'll do it no problem um, so yeah, I think with a lot of them, they do have ideas that they want to do, and I think everybody should have an opportunity. And I know some people can't afford to do it, yeah. And um, it's a luxury for a lot of people, absolutely. Um, but you kind of, if you want to invest in uh, your career as a DJ or a producer, whether you're you're starting off from scratch and you want to learn everything yourself, but yeah. You just want to find a little. It's almost like watching um, what do you call a uh, a tutorial on YouTube. Yeah. No one has a go at you for doing that, do they? So it's only the same if you pay for a session. Yeah. So so for instance, I'd, I'm 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 using people's names, and I don't know if that's okay or not. But <laughs> for instance, like uh, Wiggy, like Wiggy's an established DJ before, but when he come and done the Matt Wigman thing with you, and he's he's got his IDs in, into into tracks. Yeah. That like that. That is was an investment for him. Like yes. he's invested in, in in you for these tunes, yeah. and now he he reaps the rewards in yeah. gigs because people know his tunes. Well, people... he, he was my first client, yeah. and now he's part of the BTID team. Yeah, well, it just goes to show, doesn't yeah. it? Like, yeah, the the progression of what he does. Yeah, um, yeah. And there isn't just one success story. You've got you've got quite a lot that's yeah. came out. Yeah, I mean, let's be let's be fair. It's the hardest thing in the world to make 
10 tracks all 10 tracks be amazing yeah. and and do big business you know yeah. um i try my best to do the best i can do on a track for, for a client absolutely and in some cases what they want overrides what i think the track is you know if they if, if they go i just wanted to kick in with this flat bass and that's it that's my job as an engineer to give them what they want absolutely mate and if they think it's going to work then they let, let them have it exactly. exactly that's not a problem um so i just want to ask you a couple of questions now um what what, what do you think of the bounce scene in 2022 so post pandemic are you are, yeah. you, are you feeling like well to be fair it, it? It, i mean as far as my my career making bounce music uh is concerned the pandemic was a good thing for me because it like a uh, blessing in disguise yeah i became yeah. very busy um and to be fair, at the early uh, teens, the late noughties, yeah. bounce music, as soon as all around the world are kind of, um, not passed on bounce music, but kind of reduced its output, we'll say. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's less interest in those people who made that music because they were making money from it. And yeah. once you don't make any money from something, you're thinking, why should I do it? Yeah. Well, one of the reasons is the passion behind it. But the thing is, passion stretches only so far and doesn't put food on the table. Absolutely. So, um, I think... A lot of people do not understand that, though. No. Like, it's hard, to, it's hard to explain to somebody that you're doing something and you've got passion for it. You've got the luxury of you can come to work and work is fun yes, so people yeah. think you're just having fun in a studio yeah but, exactly but you're earning a wage at yeah, the same time exactly, so yeah. it, it, a lot of people don't understand that and think it's blurring the lines where yeah. and and I, I think with with regards to bounce music as a scene uh, it's always been fairly underground yeah even more so like in that time period i just said but as the years have grown on and we've got up to this stage when you see the likes of btid putting on huge events you know, with thousands of people at them. Yeah. Bounce events, you know, and even reminisces, like we said before, Bounce Back Tent, which is absolutely rammed every year. Absolutely. I think that Bounce music is just going from strength to strength. Obviously, they're trying to give it a shine over, and um, Radio 1 don't want to call it that. They want to call it hyper-pop and that <laughs> kind of crap. It but is, yeah. but um, I, I think I, Bounce music will be probably break through eventually it'll only take one eventually. track to do it the, yeah. the thing we have is that radio one and the south of england love 170 bpm drum and bass yeah and they love 128 House bpm music, yeah. edm but they don't like anything but they don't between. like anything yeah. in between so yeah or, well even trance at 140 is still acceptable Less less so nowadays, I think. Yeah. Yes. With within Radio One's perspective, because they they like the um, what, what do they call it now? The the is it progressive? Not not progressive. The trance that's like um, yeah, it's, it's a lot slower, it, isn't it's it? More yeah. Slower. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I love all that. <coughs> I like love it. Um, I do. I, you can't knock it, but it's it's just one of the things you you, you make you think to yourself, why isn't bounce getting support? Because yeah. some like for I, instance. Um, Let's say, uh, decade, is it decade? Decade, yeah. So what, what's that, yeah. Don't Give Up On Love tune? That yeah, did. yeah. For instance, how that didn't chart, <laughs> I don't know, because it was massive in within the bounce scene. Oh, huge. And people were streaming it, people and, and stuff, but it just makes you think, like, there's tunes that chart that 
aren't as universally popular. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like. I mean, Bl- Blinky did uh, the original. The version. original, yeah. Um, but you did get it re-sung, though, didn't you? Yeah, 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 I- yeah. Imogen uh, re-recorded it and did a fantastic job. And yeah. you play that at any bounce event, and it goes off every time. The thing is, though, it's not just bounce people who, who know it. I know this is sort of a thing, though. But like, for instance, my mum knows that tune. Right, like, yeah. It's like she'll have seen it on TikTok or something yeah, like that, yeah, or yeah, yeah. something along them lines. And it's like, oh, that's that tune that sounds like what you play. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's that tune. That <laughs> Um, it's just one of them, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what was I going to ask you? Um, we're just going to stop for a, a break for section one, and then in section two, we're going to get into the questions. Um, this is a new section for anyone who's new to the podcast, um, where we've asked people to write in and ask questions. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, some of the questions I got was random. Like, <laughs> like it's very random. So we'll see you again in a minute. Okay. So we're back again. So this is section two of the podcast. Uh, this is new. So it might be a bit different. We might we might have um, um what, what's it called? I can't think of the word. We might have teething problems, right? Okay. Because I'm I'm standing looking at a phone, but I'm just reading what what people have wrote to me. Um, so we've got a couple of questions this week. So basically, if you haven't already, you can join the Facebook group, which is it's time to refresh community. Um, it's a private group, but you can I'll accept you into it, and you can ask questions, uh, anything that you've got. Um, we did organise this last minute, didn't we, mate? Yes, so, we did, yeah. So I, I couldn't say that you were coming on um, and ask questions for you. So this is a generalised um, sort sort of questions we've got here. So I'm just going to read this as best I can because some people write as they speak, as I said before. <laughs> so here we go. <clears throat> All right. All right, lad. Me and the boys have a, <laughs> me and the boys have had a serious problem with one of our mates going missing at raves. Picture this. Every time we're going to a rave, we all meet up at a mayor's house beforehand for some pre-party shenanigans, and all is going well right up to the queuing outside of the club or festival we're attending. Then, then from uh, there, one of our pals, Stephen, just goes missing for the night, literally every time, and we won't see him till booting out time. He's uh, he said there is nothing wrong with this, uh, getting off his cake and just indulging in the party and floating around the club. Am I being a soft cunt, or is Jim and your mate at a rave bang out of order? Love the podcast, by the way. Love Mike, XOXO. So, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> I, I don't know where we can go from here. Well, I, I think... Uh, I mean, when you go to a, a, a rave of any kind with your mates, you're kind of supporting each other, aren't you? Especially if you're doing things you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you disappear and go on a solo somewhere then no one's going to be looking after you yeah yeah i can see that so when you go on a night out um as such um i don't do you go to raves as a punter anymore not really no i can remember on rob's podcast you said you went to um what's the ones in um warrington um when hitman now was on oh yeah yes yeah so when you went there when did you go on your own or with with friends on my own oh you went on your own it was actually the very first hitman and her was it? And because uh, he did it in Warrington, because yeah. obviously he lived in Warrington at the time, Pete right. Waterman. Yeah. And he's a hero of mine from back do in the know, day. Do you know something? I was born in 96, so I sort of missed that generation. But I used to watch the old tapes, and I had a thing for Michaela Strachan. She was <laughs> I don't know why. Like, she, she's not even that nice. I think it was just like sort of. Of the time. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But. Um, so so so, did you ever go out to raves or? or? Well, when when I well, I, le- I left school in uh, eighty eight and um, 
I went to school in East Anglia because my, 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 we used to live in Warrington and my dad was a, a sales rep and we moved to East Anglia because of his job. Right. And we lived there for four years and then moved back to Warrington in 1988. Right. And um, so when I moved back to Warrington, I didn't know anybody. So I went to Mr. Smith's on my own yeah. uh, of a weekend and um, bumped into, believe it or not, people I'd been to school with last time I lived right, there. Okay. But, uh, so was that like four years before? Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's it a bit, bit, bit How old were you at this point, sorry? Uh, I was uh, 17 in 1988. Right. So, 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 so it's sort of you're starting to go out for years. And, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. And obviously my love of 80s stems from all that period. But yeah, um, yeah so I used to go to the club and then I'd come out of the club same time as everybody else, grab some food and walk home because I lived two miles away from right. the club and, and I couldn't be bothered paying for a taxi. Right. But I never got so smashed that I didn't know where I lived. <laughs> right. Okay, that doesn't make sense. So when you so when you go out as such, say with with say your missus, I'm not saying go to a nightclub as, yeah. as such, but say you go to like um, you go out with friends and, and your missus and whatnot. Um, do you tend to stick together? Is it yeah? Because is is Stephen bang out of order for? Well, to, for to be fair, when I went out with my mates, yeah, uh, in the early nineties, I'd be the person who go, I've had enough now, uh, so I go, I'm just going the loo. Oh, and then you, like, and then I'd do one out the door and go on. Right. Well, it's it's fair enough, isn't it? <laughs> so, so it's a bit kind of the same kind of situation. If a mate wanders off and does that, if he wanders yeah. off because he wants to, let him wander off. You know. Um, I remember when my missus was in uni. So I, I used to work four on four for my job. So you do four hour, twelve hour shifts, and on the last one you'd finish at six o'clock. I drive down to York from where, where it was at, and we'd go on nights out, so obviously, as you, you do four on four off, it alternates through the week, yeah. so the best nights to go out was your Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, student right, nights, right. so you're going out in the clubs, and I'm not going to lie, like, I don't think Stephen's out of order, like, um, you can go off and indulge in the night, because for me, we used to pre-drink, and I I'm, I used to be quite a heavy drinker, um, and I'd have a litre of vodka, and then a shitload of Red Bull before I went Fuck out. Yeah. So no, because it's cheaper, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, everyone gets you tanked live... up before they go out now. Yeah, it's too yeah. expensive. So I was, I would caked at this point. Do you know what I mean? I've had yeah. a liter of vodka. Yeah. So I'd go out and I'd, I'd order a drink and that, and like we'd sort of split up for everybody. And like uh, I'd be with my missus most of the time, like, but yeah. but like I don't I don't see the problem in, in going out in a club and then you just linger like linger yeah. around. Because for me, I, I like as a D, like as a DJ, I used to like go into the DJ box see what he's up to yeah. but them, them who were at uni that her friends and that like the lads were more interested in necking with birds or like no but like it's <laughs> yeah, just what it is isn't yeah, it like yeah. getting with birds or um, just going mental on the dance floor drinking being yeah. daft just one of yeah. those isn't it to be fair yeah if you go out with a bunch of lads and uh, you've reached your limit you know mm. you just go I'm off I used to do that so like yeah. you'd go out and and have a fake student card or, 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 or no, I'd lend a student card of somebody who was it wasn't a fake one that's naughty um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd have like a student card to get into these student bars cause, uh, at the time and you'd go in and it'd be like a pound of pint and stuff so if I had a, a litre of vodka before I came out I'm on the pints after that yeah 
buy eight pints. I'm, I'm right. I'm just going home. So we just go to McDonald's and go home, but yeah. everyone else would stay out all night. Or, yeah, exactly. Or sometimes I'd stay out all night and then yeah. go home early, yeah. just the way it is. How much you indulge? Yeah, on a, on a normal night out, that's what you'd normally do, isn't it? It's different when you go on holiday abroad, say. You know what yeah. I mean? Everyone stays out then, don't they? But... <laughs> yeah. Have you got any stories about um, BTID Maga or like that when you were there? We're, we're, we're inclined to some funny stories on the podcast. We've had some legendary stuff being said. Um, and a lot of them tend to be on these holly raves. That's the, the Right, yeah. So have yeah. you got anything you'd like to share at all? With... I don't know. It's difficult to say, really. It's, it's think... You don't want to get anywhere in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Thinking back to those times. I mean, the thing is, when you go on those kind of things... Um, like BTD and Ibiza say yeah. you always go bonkers on the first night because you think yay I'm on holiday and all yeah. that and then you're rough as hell the whole day after you know and then that's it then you've done you've done your your mad night and you kind of settle into normality I've got another story as well it's, it's, <laughs> it's just when it when it thing we did Magaluf um, me it was for my stag do uh, so it was like five years ago now um, and everyone knows I, I, I used to like a bit of a drink fuck it quite quite heavily so like when we went, we were going. We were, everyone was right up for it. There was there was ten of us, and as a stag, you don't know what they've got planned here. So, <laughs> so it's just one of them. So we were going down, and we had like a box of cans each on the way down, sort of getting into it, and um, got over to to. We got these really shitty flights. We just because we started doing everything on the cheap. Our hotel room was two pound fifty each a night, <laughs> right? So it was above like a takeaway. Oh, it was fucking dreadful, man. <laughs> right, and um, so we got there, and it was like. 10 o'clock so the, the street where it was we, we if you know Magaluf it was where the red lion was so we come we pulled up in the taxi red lion was absolutely heaving We're like we need to get in amongst this yeah and so I, we just ran in and threw the threw the bags in never thought of another and then my best man stopped me on the way out he says whoa whoa he says you're getting changed mate right? I was like what do you mean so they all got me in I had to dress up in this maid's outfit right oh my God. so I was like well I'm a stag what do you do you just get in it don't you, you just get yeah. amongst it so I put put all the, put it on. They even put like an ugly spot on my face and <laughs> wig. And I looked. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll drop the image of me dressed up in the podcast right now, so people can see how awful it is. <laughs> so then we're coming out. So I had a short skirt on. Slid me 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 underwear and that on. And um, so as I was coming out, I had my wallet and my keys for the for the room. And I said I said to my mate who was sharing a room with me, I says, "Can you just keep one of them? I've got no pockets." Yeah, fair enough. And then my cousin came from behind, ripped my boxes off, <laughs> so everything was out. But the thing was, this was a really short skirt. Like, I'm talking, like, everything was out. <laughs> Cock and balls <laughs> everywhere. And there was police everywhere. I was, I, and I was a bit worried. But obviously, you've had a box of cans, you, you're less worried. Yeah. And then this girl came running over, and she was like, Are oh, you all right, Brad? How's it going? And it, basically, she was a club promoter um, back in from where I'm from, from years ago. Um, and, I, and I sort of knew when I was running events and she was like I seen on Facebook you were coming on your stag too and the lads were posting it and I've been keeping an eye out for you come in here I'll sort you out with some drinks in so you're a stag I was like this is good this <laughs> I, mean, I don't think she'd noticed um, what had been going on down there I think. <laughs> so we sat down and luckily I was sitting on a bench outside like the Red Lion and I, I was covered up uh, with, with the table so no, nobody noticed all like that and then she came out with a box of um, a, a, a tray of shots and there was 30 shots on there and the lads are like, oh, she's looking after you, mate. Well, it, it sort of pays to be a, a promoter of DJ. <laughs> I was like, no, no. So it was there. And then 15 of the shots were shot glasses of absinthe and stuff like that. God. And then the other 15 was um, test 
the, the, the test tube oh, yeah, things. Yeah, um, yeah. So I put them down and me, me mate went to grab one. She, she, she slapped his hand and she went, hey, these are his. <laughs> I said, 30 shots. He says, Oof. I'm going to I'm gonna let you just have them. Right, so next three of them and it's absinthe so it's, it, yeah. it doesn't sit nice with you. Killer. And I was there and I was just like, oh my God. And then the last sort of thing I remember um, is she says, right, now you've had three, whatever you don't drink, you have to pay for. So she set me up, essentially. <sighs> so, right, I was like, fair enough, I'll drink it, I'll drink the lot. So I was necking these shots. Next minute, we got to the, the test tubes, put the test tube in my mouth, just pressed it in, just, do you know what, take it, because you've got 15 more yeah, of these yeah, to do. Yeah. So and she's gone right. You've been you've been a, an absolute vagina here. <laughs> she she was like she's one of these rough lasses. That, uh, she she's nice. She's really friendly, but she you've been a vagina. I was like, Come on, let's do it. <laughs> she got it, smashed the back of the tube thing, went down my throat, it came up my nose and everything like that. I was like, oh, like just oh. Uh, like right. And then I can't remember anything after that. All <laughs> the rest of the night, nothing. It's it's a, it's only time I've been sort of like blackout steaming. Like that's that's what it is. So anyways. When it, got, when it all come, come down to it, um, I drank them a lot, according to the lads and the videos I've seen afterwards. Um, and then we're, we're walking up and we're to another stag do. They're all dressed as like wrestlers, like from the 80s, like Hulk Hogan, <laughs> Ultimate Warrior. So I'm here getting pictures with it. I'm a big wrestling fan, you see. Getting pictures with them. Next minute, this copper comes and puts his hand on my shoulder. Everyone, at this point, I forgot my cock and balls are out. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And everyone's at this point, they've shit themselves. Like, even though other stag do were like, this guy's fucked here. And yeah. I was like, so I turned around and, I, and he went, excuse me, boss. I went, yeah, yeah. Can I get a photo with you? So this this copper, this <laughs> Spanish like copper, got a picture with, I, I, I don't know, I've never, <laughs> it's never came to, to prominence. Before, so. But he got a photo with me, he's, he's this other copper took a picture, and there's a picture of me around, with, around him, cock and balls out, and, and, and the other the other copper's like, he's, he's cupping, cupping the balls, <laughs> and he's loved it, and they're right up for it. And I was like, this is amazing. But honestly, I can't remember anything about that. Cool. But as you say, once you indulge in holiday raves yeah, and stuff like that, yeah, it yeah. does get a bit wild. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm teetotal now, by the way. I used right. to drink a lot, a lot, and it got too much, so now I just don't drink well, at all. Anyone who knows me knows I like a glass of wine. Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> what's, what's your, what is your favourite wine? I used to drink a lot of red myself. Well, I I, uh, I, I like um, Italian reds mainly, but uh, you can't get many good Italian reds over here, so um, I tend to drink Australian uh, Wolf Blast, right. Red Label Shiraz, lovely. Right, uh, I think I have had that. It's nice. Right, um, I used to just go in right to the shop and I'd be like, right, I don't get the cheap ones because the, the, I've tried it, the tacky. Yeah, this is horrible. Right, I don't pay for the expensive ones because... To me, a good red wine is a good red wine. It doesn't need to be anything. Well, so what I used to Chris, do is... Chris, all around the world, yeah. he used to say to me that if you spend any more than £30 on a bottle of wine, yeah. it's pointless. Right. So we anything after £30, you're never going to notice the difference. Yeah. Well, that's what I found. And then I come across this one, is it Gentleman's Collection? You know that? No. It's, it's, it's just a cheap bottle of wine. I think it's about £9, maybe not even that. And, like... Honestly, I used, to have, I used to have a bottle of that every night, and that's when I realised I had a drinking problem. So. Cheap at £9? That's not cheap, though. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, but, like, no, but it's cheap enough that it... Because it, it tastes like a, a premium wine, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like a premium-type yeah, wine. Yeah. It tasted like something you would get served in a really good restaurant, so yeah. I just stuck to that, and I'd have a bottle of that every night, and I'd wake up with an absolute pound headache, because I thought, <laughs> I'm having enough to drink on the well, I've, on, on the rare, rare occasion, and I've kind of a lesson learned, mm. is... Um, 
I don't take wine with me to to, to events now because the last time I did, I went to I was doing a zombie nation gig and I, t- I took a bottle with me and I'd already drank a bottle with my missus before I went, <laughs> and so I'm backstage with the glass of wine, getting ready to go up on stage and took it up on stage with me. Yeah. And M- Martin said, "I don't think you should be up there with that in your hand," so I kind of give it him back, but. Uh, I was pretty smashed that night, so I was thinking oh, I'll do that again. I'm not gonna lie to you, mate. If I've had a bottle of red wine, I'm I'm good for nothing. But DJ, thing is, once like, you once you get used to drinking a particular type, yeah, on a regular basis, it doesn't have the same effect. Yeah, you know? uh, well, I, I suppose um, it makes sense. Um, I had to stop drinking because pre-pandemic, I I used to have a pint every night with my dinner, and then after that, it got quite bad. Where like. One pint would turn into two pints. Two pints, I'd get. A, I'd end up getting a box of four, and then I'd drink real ales. I'd get a six of them, and turn like six a night. And I, I got up to like twenty-five stone. Um, a couple of people know this story. Wow, twenty-five yeah. stone. I, I've got pictures of me, and I, a lot of people didn't see me at that time. The only person who seen me, I think, Daz seen me. Or I was at a New Year's Eve gig, and he come and patted the belly, and he was like, "Mate, you're piling these pounds on now." <laughs> He's honest, isn't he? That's what he yeah. is. I was like, "I know, I need to do some robbery." So, so for, I like to drinking, mm. but I need to cut this down yeah. like so I, had, I, I, t- I turned to red wine I was drinking a lot of red wine I heard it's healthy for you didn't realise it's 900 calories or something in a bottle but, yeah, yeah it's all sugars I, isn't yeah. it yeah the thing is when I opened it when I, I opened a bottle of wine you feel like you need to finish it don't you you can't just have one and then that is true. put it back yeah. you, it's just one of them isn't it and you just indulge the only time that happens is if I fall <clears> asleep <laughs> yeah um, what was I going to say right I've sort of went off on a massive tangent here. I just, I'll, just, I'll just wrap this bit up but um, so basically I went teetotal when the pandemic hit because I thought a lot of people were having garden parties where they were like get the beers out and a lot of my friends were inviting me around and I'm like I'm going to be alcoholic at this rate like yeah, do you know I need yeah. to stop this so I started walking and that I dropped I dropped six stone at the time and, wow. then, um, and that was just through completely stopping the drink yes yeah um and a bit of exercise like, and and it just goes to show how much I was drinking and intaking yeah. I got to the point where I used to go to work and I wouldn't have a hangover after drinking sort of 10 cans or something like that yeah, like yeah. I wouldn't feel it you'd just right. feel normal yeah. like, and it's one of them so we did go for a tangent there <laughs> but, um, right we've got one more question for today um, and it is this one is very fitting actually um, I didn't know who was going to be on the next podcast but this is uh, very fitting into have a new one because we can discuss it and, right. and relate on it um it's this one's a bit better written <laughs> it's hi mate budding producer here uh keep this as non- anonymous because i want this as a non-biased answer um i'm a producer who's been pushing my tracks out now on good bounce labels for years and they get support and players on mixes and club sets like bounce heaven sopranos this is bounce btid but i never get any uh, interest in bookings or guest slots anywhere i'd be lucky if i get one gig a year I'm sick of hearing from people that I should be on lineups and are the most underrated DJ who doesn't get little to no recognition. What advice would you give to somebody who is putting putting out in the industry standard music by, by releasing on labels, but not uh, getting anything in, in return? Um, I'm typing this in frustration. Thanks, lad. Love the podcast. That's a difficult one now because, you see, a, a lot of my clients make tunes because it's almost expected now of uh, promoters expect DJs to be producers as well. Yeah. Um, so that's why a lot of people make tunes now in the in the hope that they'll get such a, a following from making the tunes that they'll get the gigs. Yeah. 
but that's not necessarily always the case. Yeah. Uh, it, there's a lot of factors involved and a lot of luck as well at the same time, to there be is. fair. Um, just to weigh it up a, a bit. So, for example, one of my clients, uh, Ash Middleton, Ash M. Yeah. So he's not been in it that long. He's been making tunes a bit longer than most of my clients have. And um, he loves making the tunes and with the hope that he could eventually play for BTID. Right. And his dream became a reality last year. And, mm. um, and now they're rebooking him for events. But he doesn't necessarily promote himself in any way other than every now and then he, he, he does a, a, a mix called uh, Raven Random Kitchen. Right. And, um, <clears throat> but he, he's not on social media shoving himself in people's know. faces all the time. He's quite lucky like that. Uh, where other people like um, Shanks, who's another pr prolific uh, DJ producer who has worked his knackers off over the past 12 months, he's not getting the gigs that he wants. Now, it's starting to turn for him now because he got um, uh, a guest mix on Bounce Heaven podcast. Right. So that's a big thing. Yeah. You know, and that could lead to far bigger gigs. But I think the problem we have with it in this industry is there ain't that many events. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that is one thing, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and when you look at the likes of uh, BTID doing an event, um, they have a team of uh, resident DJs. Yeah. So they have like a room two where they put the newer talent on. Yeah. But to be fair, if you're starting at, say, your event at nine o'clock in the evening and it finishes by two so that's 10 11 12 one two it's five hours it's not a lot of time to put a lot of people on as djs there isn't no um and you don't want to do that thing where you're a convoluted thing where you do 45 minute sets and it's 45 minutes back to back well i don't think a dj can show off his potential in 45 minutes yeah. to be fair you know i mean i know a lot of people get 45 minute sets nowadays so they can fit more people on the bill yeah um but I think self-awareness and promotion is quite important for any budding DJ stroke producer. So you need to be making tunes, you need to be you know, seeing people, um, you need to be on social media showing yourself. Let, let's, another, a good example is Hannah Taylor, for example. Yeah. Now, Hannah's not one of my clients. She makes uh, tunes with uh, Mikey C. Yeah, Mikey C. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, she seems to be on a lot of flyers and a lot of gigs. Yeah. Now, that's probably through self-promotion and the fact that she's pushed herself and she's got these like, little videos of her doing gigs and stuff. And she's really pleasant as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think if you're going into the industry expecting gigs and moaning about it, you're less likely to get them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that... I think what he's got out there is that he thinks if you just just produce music and you put them out on good labels that people will come chasing you. It's not exactly the, the thing. No, I what mean you they, should they, be doing. You should be doing like a podcast, for example, well, or, 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 be, a, yeah. or a mix on a regular basis to show how good you are as a DJ. I can't remember who it is to be honest. Obviously, it's anonymous. Yeah. Um, they don't want the one unbiased opinion. But I don't know if they do mixes or not, so mm. I, I can't. I can't yeah. tell you if they do or not. I think anything like that though helps to promote the image of the dj if you yeah. want a gig you've got to be showing some kind of dj skill haven't you of sorts yeah, absolutely you know and i think if if they're making tunes doing producer sets 
or even incorporating other tracks from other producers. Um, you know, the gigs will come. Cause you the, see a lot, though, don't you? Like, now, more so with social media being so prolific within everything, that you, people have got a voice and they say, like, listen, I'm, I'm kicking its arse here, like, I'm putting out tunes, all the big DJs are supporting it. No. That's basically what he's saying, like, yeah. I'm getting signed to good labels, so yeah. the, the music must be good. Yeah. Uh, DJs are, are supporting is he, it. Is he getting tracks signed to good labels, though, and getting high chart positions? I don't know. You uh, can you can sign a track to BTID and be number nineteen in the charts yeah. every time you release something. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean it's selling well or that many people like it. Yeah, it's a good point. So uh, so I think I th- I think um, I mean if you're top five all the time and you're not getting the gigs. Yeah, there's some, that there's could be an issue there. Yeah, but there's another thing as well. You need to go out and be known. Yes, you do. Um, a, like a you, little... you need to be going to events yeah. to be introducing yourself to these people. You need to be getting on with them and uh, and uh, being nice about the whole thing. Really, yeah. you know, you need to be likable, don't you? Really, there's a there's a there's a there's a, a thing of like you push yourself too much where it becomes annoying and crabbish. Like yeah, but there's nothing wrong with being professional and saying. Hi, I'm Kenny Hayes. Yeah. Um, I produce this music. Um, or even just handing a USB in now and yeah. saying, "This is who I am." Name to face. Yeah. Whether anything comes of it or not. Yeah. But if you if you stick around like a bad smell for bad, bad long enough. Yeah. Some some somebody will pick yeah. you up. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, let's yeah. let's be fair here. You can't be doing it for eighteen months and expect it to land in your lap. People. Uh, he did say years, so right, he said yeah. he's been around for years. Yeah. Uh, and he's, and if he's saying he's getting one gig a year, I assume it must be multiple years he's been around. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I mean, so if he is getting gigs already, yeah. that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, the fact that he's not getting more gigs might be down to uh, any number of different reasons, mightn't it? I mean, uh, uh, I find that the even though we're all really pally when we all see each other. Yeah. There can be divides within the bounce scene, uh, between m- more like um, even labels sometimes. You know, like Sopranos, Acceleration, Digital, Bounce Heaven. There's different artists and in, in, in different labels associated with them. them yeah, them and making different music. You know, yeah. it's it's. So, for instance, um, this is my advice to you. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'm an up and comer. I've been an up and comer for about I don't know twelve years now. But special guest star. <laughs> yeah. No, but but I, I, as as an as another up and comer as such, um, if you want to call me that, um, because I got labelled as that last week, so oh. I'm just going to roll with it. Yeah, yeah. I got labelled labelled as that. I was a bit I was a bit gutted, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, as a, as, a, as, a, as somebody who's doing it, and um, I play for um, Century quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so. I know if I play for Sanctuary, I maybe don't play for other gigs, which is just it's just how it is, isn't it? Like one, some promoters won't book you if you don't play for. It's that's just the politics behind it. Yeah. I think you just need to grow up and, and realize that you won't play for every every brand. Yeah, yeah. There's only there's only select few DJs who's been around long enough who play for all brands. Um, if you look at the likes of Sopranos, they have like a, a residency list. Yeah. Now those residents. Um, obviously play every event so yeah. there's no room for any newcomers on those events exactly so you can't you can't expect to be why am i not on sopranos well well for one you're not a resident and yeah. for, for, for two you could be playing for another event down the road which clashes with it it's like so you get, don't don't come in thinking you're gonna get on every every event yeah um i, I think that's what one of the things with btid that what they do is um 
The thing is, all events always want to use utilize the most important dates: the bank holidays, yeah. uh, 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 around about Christmas time, the Mad Friday, yeah. and stuff like that. Boxing Day, Boxing Day. Eve, yeah, yeah. And now the thing is, uh, one of BTID's policies, of course, is to if you're doing an, a BTID gig. They, they want you to concentrate on promoting that gig, so therefore they don't really want you playing locally the week before or the week after. Yeah. So that kind of is a restriction which stops you from doing other gigs. Yeah. Um, but that's only because they want to concentrate on that person at their event at Absolutely. that time, so I understand that. The back, the back in you out there, that's what it is. Yeah, like, it's yeah. like it's the same with Cheese. If he's got, um, I don't know, I don't know who the residents are at the minute, but oh, well, she've, she've got on, didn't she? Yeah. So she've... Um, John. Um, yeah, so so we'll use we'll use Shiv as as a, as a thing. Um, now Cheese has sort of backed her as as as, a, as a, one of the residents. She'd be expected to, to to work for them and push their product of what they do. At the end yeah. of the day, it's a business. It's really how it runs. Yeah. Um, if you're getting disheartened by um, not getting the gigs and you're only getting one a year, it could be the one you play for. That's all I can say. The one one that you play for might not associate with another brand, and that's why you're not getting booked by that brand. Or what you need to do is you need to get to the get to the gigs, show your face, show that you're interested, um, and if and if you're producing music, make sure you're producing music that suits that brand. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna produce sit there and produce a porky or a hard bass tune and turn it to BTID and say yeah. why am I not on? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the same with I wouldn't go and produce, for instance, a big like say a hard house tune. Yeah. and go to somewhere and say like like for instance go to a btid or a sopranos and go i, I think I, let's be honest there's no guarantees in this in this industry at Absolutely, all yeah. um it, just because you record at rebound doesn't yeah. get you anywhere the, anywhere yeah, yeah. It, your track has to be good at yep. the end of the day Absolutely. and um and to be fair you need to be a good dj yeah if you've got some skills yeah. Show us what those skills are in videos or wherever you can in your mixes and in content. Like it's just yeah, exactly. Uh, you can't. I mean, if you're not doing anything to promote yourself with regards to even making tunes, you can't expect everyone to come to you. You know, you could be making the best tunes in the world, but if no one's hearing them, they're not the best tunes in the world. That's true as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the issues that's on at the moment uh, is that. Um, so Bounce Heaven released 10 songs on a Monday, Acceleration Digital released 6 on a Tuesday and 6 on a Thursday, Sopranos, I'm not quite sure, Clubbed they also yeah. release. Around lot, time. They, uh... So you're talking a minimum of 20 odd tracks a week coming yeah. out. And you're expecting yours to be the one that gets picked up by Exactly, uh, if, if, you're not, if you're not in that top 5 of tunes released that week, I don't think anyone's going to re remember who you are. And unfortunately, it, it, it's a bad thing, really, because um, some of those trucks are amazing. Yeah, and they just get sort of... Yeah. And the good, the good thing is Bounce Heaven and Acceleration Digital and Sopranos and Club aren't labels. The digital stores. A lot of people yeah. forget this. You're not signing your track to Bounce Heaven. You're yeah. releasing your track on Bounce the, Heaven. Their site, yeah. yeah. Cheeky tracks. That's a label. If yeah. you want to, your track to go that bit further, think outside the box. Do something for them. You know, um, but at the end of the day, that track's still yours to do with as you wish. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So overall, we would just say, <coughs> my advice would be. I don't know if you agree with this. Keep consistent. Promote yourself in a professional manner. Yeah. Don't be a crab. Yeah. 
right? And and support the events as well. Like you can't expect to get bookings for the biggest events if you're not attending them to that's true. I mean? That is an up and comer. If you're an established artist, like you don't see like yourself or say like John Neal or someone like that, they won't go out at events and, and network themselves because they're already networked. Yes, they've yeah, got their own yeah. network already. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. But if you're an up and comer and you're producing these these tunes that's getting signed that you believe good enough, and everyone's calling you an underrated DJ, then go out and make your face known. That's yeah. all I can say. Get speaking to promoters. Yeah. Get the, is, get yeah. the vibe about what, what they're expecting. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. So, we'll move on from that um, to the last one, which is Subject of the Week. This is a, also a new a new <laughs> thing. Um, and to start it off, I've actually, it's my own subject, so, oh. um, and it is um, travelling on your own. Um, so, we, we do talk about travel stories and yes, um, yeah, there's, yeah. there's been some some fantastic stories being told on here, <laughs> but um, we went. Me and my missus and my little lad went on holiday to Zadar last week in Croatia, and we were looking for the bus station outside the airport. And this guy came up to me and he said, um, "You were looking for the bus as well." And I was like, "Yeah." So we sort of helped each other and looking and whatnot. So I was having a crack with him, and he says, "Oh, it's my birthday weekend. I'm travelling on my own." Right, and it got me thinking. Um, of tra- traveling on your own. What's your thoughts on it? Um, it's just because Tra- traveling as a DJ. Yeah, as a, as a DJ, right? We spend a lot of time on the road on our own. Like, yes, yeah. Um, obviously, if you're traveling from from where you live to, to a gig, and then it's middle of the night, you may still want to be getting up with you, going to do a set, and then like it's not. It's just not that. Them days are long gone for yeah. me. Um, They're long gone for me. To yeah. be fair, I mean, I, I um, I've DJed all over the country and. My wife is not a fan of bounce music. As is mine. And so she she doesn't accompany me to any of the gigs. Yeah. Uh, I think she came to a Zombie Nation one once. Um, but um, uh, travelling a distance is quite stressful because say you go and do a gig. I live in Warrington, so if I do a gig in Newcastle, it's three and a half hours trek. Yeah. So I don't really want to be driving back at the same time so I stay over yeah so what becomes like just an hour sat at a club is a 24 hour thing yeah yeah. yeah. it's quite a lot of time out of your life I know you get paid to compensate for it but when you're a family man it's it's not good so I I mean I remember Lee S um, he was doing uh, he got into house music he was doing a lot of remixes and um, because of that he got quite well known throughout Europe and was doing gigs all over Europe yeah. flying out to all, all no, loads of places yeah. and um, the amount of stories he's told of him just sat there in airports waiting for planes to turn up you know on it's, his not own. Great. it's not great it's is not. It? it's not it's not as as, as, as uh, lavish as people think and it's no. like because when they see a DJ they're out on that stage DJ and it's like wow I'd love to be there I'd yeah. love to have their life yeah, well, yeah for that hour like, yeah. <laughs> last night for example so I drove to Blackpool, which is only an hour away from yeah. here, um, <laughs> and uh, I'm not that familiar with the roads in Blackpool, so I said to my daughter, "Are we in the right way here?" She says, "Yeah, t- turn left here, and then it's a right on that road." Mm. So we turned left, went onto the road, or what I thought was the road, yeah. and found out I'm actually on the tram lines. Oh, great! And the roads over there. Yeah. So uh, I, I, that that panicked me, but then I, I'm parking in the car park. I spent thirty quid on petrol. I spent eleven pounds to park the car, 
I'm there for six hours, yeah. and then I'm driving home at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, luckily, my, I had my daughter's company, but if you're doing that on your own every time, every yeah. weekend, and look, look at uh, like Sir John, who, John Neal, who does loads of gigs, yeah. he's back and forth all over the place all every the time. Weekend as yeah. Well, yeah. And I think I've done my time in that kind of thing. I don't mind doing local gigs, yeah. but gigs further afield, it has to be something pretty special for me to go out to it now. Um, for, for me, now, um, I'm, I'm up for gigs anyway. I'll, I'll do, I'll, I'll travel all around the world if you like, it's just because it. Get to meet people. Um, I'm 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 26 now, so for me, he's still a pop. Yeah, yeah, it's still a pop. That's what it is, isn't it? It's like, uh, yeah, I'm past halfway to 50, but at the same time, I'm always I'm all the pandemic opened my eyes in in regards to just I used to pick my, my friends used to ask me and say, what do you do you want to do this? And I'm like, oh, I can't be asked. Like mm. and it'd be like, oh, that was a really good night. Oh, I missed out on that. Yeah. Right. Okay. So now. I just say yes to everything. This podcast has only happened because I, I say yes to everything now. Yeah, yeah. So someone said to me at work about like when we have crack and you tell what, what you've been up to at the weekend and oh, I did this gig and, and he says, honestly, people would love to hear these stories and I'm like, they're not that good. And, like, <laughs> but, and, then, and I'm sort of talking it down. I'm like, you're yeah. not that good. At the end of the day, like I say, you spend all this time driving and that. He's like, yeah, but some of the some of the stuff that goes on is quite funny and quite yeah. like and interesting. He says, and then he's like, why not do it? And then I just thought to myself, why not? Yeah. Why not do it? Like, like it's just it's just one of them things. Now, so with experiences and stuff, if someone offers me a booking now, um, I say yeah, um, yeah. and well, ninety percent of the time, yeah, yeah, I say I say yeah, and um, I make the most of it. So I'll either go there, and meet up with people that I know, and if it's a gig where uh, I used to get booked in Telford quite a lot, right? Um, in, where in my Birmingham. sister lives, up. is it? Yeah. Um, and the. I didn't know anybody down there. I knew one guy and I used to meet up with him and then we'd just go to the raves and that was it. Um, but now I just take my, my family with me. So if we go somewhere, like I love playing for Farrell because we go to Blackpool, we spend the day in Blackpool. Yes. Yeah. Get a hotel. My missus goes in that hotel. I go and play my set and yeah. have a crack with everybody there. Yeah, yeah. You, you get to have a thing. Yeah. And it's not like you're going on the road where you're on, you're on the road for two and a half hours from where I'm from yeah. to Blackpool and it's like... Do the set. You've got to drive back. Um, yeah. like you don't. You don't want to leave. Like you, you leave. You leave early from the gig, so you know you're going to get home for a yeah. decent time. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I've got this driver ahead of me. But whereas now I just embrace it and I'm like, yeah. do you fancy a, a weekend away in Blackpool? All right, then we'll road, do that. Road trip. Road trip in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's all I do. There is some gigs where like you've been booked in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's like, right. What we'll do is we'll go to it. Then we'll go somewhere near it because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go to some like where there's no there's nothing to do. But well, that that's yeah. it. I mean, so for, but traveling on your own, if you if you're happy in your own company, then do it. That's that that's my that's my advice. Yeah. Um, I, I also uh, on a just slightly different note now is um, that the amount of things that we've probably both done through our careers and lifetimes, it, yeah. you can't get them all into one po- podcast, really, can you? Because. No. Uh, you remember things later on. And you think, oh, I should have said that. Or I should have said that. There's a few things I've remembered. Uh, sort of buzzwords of what you've you've said something and it's triggered. And I'm like, oh yeah. yeah. But I just remembered that I actually put at one point I put up on uh, Facebook ten things you you didn't know about me, and I kept it going for a bit actually, and then I stopped it. And then uh, about three years later, I decided to do it again, and my missus said, "You've already told people all about all those things." I said, "Yeah, but." Since that three years, I've had so many more 
people yeah. join up who yeah. don't know about that, you know. And, and there's always, like, one little gem of something. Like, for example, um, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Lee, he, he basically wanted to get into production himself and he bought a lot of gear. He did dabble a bit in it but didn't do a lot. But we've been really good mates for years and um, he suddenly said to me one day, I've been working with this guy and we've done a tune with um, Nigel Kennedy, the violinist. And really? Okay. The dance track. So I thought, wow, it's amazing. So uh, he said, yeah, we're, uh, we've been invited down to his gig at the Millennium Dome. Fantastic. So I thought, wow, he said, do you want to come? So I said, yeah, why Line not? Up, yeah, yeah. Road trip. So we all piled into this car, drove down to Wembley and uh, sat there watching him in the Millennium Dome do the gig. After it, he invited us all back to his flat on the Thames. That is amazing. Like, it's, as I said, you just ran... Like, for me now, I've had more interesting stories happen to me since I've started saying yes to things. <laughs> then, so I've, I've got into some mad situations because it's, I've been a bit unorganised where someone have said last minute, do you fancy doing this? And I'm like, ah, oh, go on then. And then, and then, and then uh, next minute, I'm just sort of... You, you're stuck in a situation. Yeah, but, but it's, it's yeah. a fun story to tell. I don't yeah, know. yeah. I mean... I've, some of the stories you don't want to tell and some yeah. of the stories you can't wait to tell <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absolutely right so we're going to finish up here today because I don't want to keep you um, but um, basically uh, I want to get into ask you this uh, what is your favourite bounce track that you've produced Ooh, I don't know it's quite difficult I've got lots of favourites because um, not only are the remixes, but there's collabs, there's tracks I've done with other people. I think that the one wonderful thing about music is it fits moods and situations. So you might think, uh, for example, I'm into so many different genres yeah. that this week I might love trance and go down a trance memory lane. Next week it might be funky house. The week right, after it might be sure. drum and bass. Same with bounce. It's, sometimes I'll play something. And go, oh god, yeah, I remember this. It, that was it. <laughs> it brings yeah, back classic. the memory. Yeah, exactly. Which once upon a time they were called records, and records are a record of the memory of the time. You know. Yeah. So I don't have a favorite. Um, I have a lot of favorites. Is the is the one is the one in particular on your current mood right now on today of the day to, that it is in twenty twenty two that um, you just think you know what I fancy I'm gonna listen to that or, or just just for a little bit of a well funny enough actually um, so John G is a massive fan of a track I did in the nineties called Changes by Lockout my Lockout alias which lasted a, a short while I'll be honest with you I, I, I don't know that one so. right so Lockout was kind of elements of trance but really more EDM later mm -hmm. on so this track was an original track that I wrote myself and uh, was released on a compilation album right and for the last, what was it, 20, 25 years, I've been considering remaking it, <laughs> but never got around to it. So, so now it's just jogged my memory. I'll get on that this week. <laughs> right, there you go. So there you go. Um, make sure you check that tune out, and yeah. then you'll be able to see what it comes up with, probably by this time tomorrow. <laughs> also, Chance Horizons is my chill-out project, and the new single, Sunrise, came out um, yesterday, which was Friday the 3rd. Right as a drum and bass remix. Right. So that you can get that on all digital stores now, so I thought I'd get that in. 
Anything you want to plug? Go for it, mate. Anything you want to plug at all? Have you got any gigs coming up? Uh, Uh, Well, next one now. I'm not sure what the next one is, actually. August, I think the next one is. Right, okay. Um, But uh, obviously, the Rebound Studio. Yeah, right. So if if you've got some amazing ideas and you just don't know how to get them down, get on to Kenny um, and he'll he'll make your your imagination uh, (laughs) into reality. Um, if, if, you've, if you've got a, a track or a vocal that you think I could do something with this get in touch and uh, get booked in um, Kenny's always up for new clients aren't you? definitely definitely. I, I get new people all the time um, um, and to, to finish off I ask everyone this um, you go out for a Chinese meal for one you're not with the family you're just on your own Yeah. Um, what are you getting? well I'd rather have an Indian right okay <laughs> but if I had to pick, I would probably pick um, beef in pepper sauce with fried rice. Right, that's right, that's okay. me. I mean, to be honest, I used to go for the, the typical beef fried rice okay, or yeah, uh, yeah. special fried rice, because right. they're always dry. But um, as I've gotten older, my taste buds have changed, yeah. and now I love a curry. Yeah, excellent, excellent. <laughs> right, I appreciate you coming on, mate. It's been, it's been, it's been great. I've loved it. Um, it's good to get a catch up with you. Yeah, after. definitely. The last time we had a, a sit down conversation was six years ago. So, <laughs> so yeah, time does fly. It really you, does. Yeah, yeah it does. Uh, thank you for watching. Um, check Kenny out online. He's got his uh, Rebound SoundCloud page. He's got his website, website which is uh, Rebound Digital. Yeah. Um, rebounduk.com uh, oh yeah rebounduk.com mm-hmm. apologies <laughs> but yeah um, check it out it's been an absolute blast thank you for coming on mate thanks for having me see you later remember check out his pages check out my pages <laughs> there you go oh that was great that thank you very much no problem how did you find it we went on um, longer than